Hi everyone and welcome to our fortnightly podcast series. My name is Fiona McGregor and I'm the ADEA Education and E-Learning Officer and I'll be your host today. Today's podcast is focusing on the topic of new insulin therapy and the lived experience. The learning objectives for today's podcast are to use a person-centred approach when discussing the changing landscape of insulin therapy, to listen to and learn from people living with diabetes about their experiences using these newer insulins. And um, the example in today's podcast is the new insulin FIASP. To relate how our speaker's experience may translate in practice when working with people living with diabetes and their support networks. Our speaker today is Kim Henshaw. Kim has lived with type 1 diabetes for nearly 33 years, being diagnosed at the age of eight. She has participated and volunteered at children's diabetes camps, led peer support groups, and been a patient teacher associate at Monash and Deakin Universities. Kim has spent the last 14 years of her career working in consumer engagement at Diabetes Victoria. And there is so much more to Kim, um, and I'll let her explain a little bit more. Uh, but I do want to add that Kim currently works with Diabetes Victoria as the Consumer Advisor and Families Program Coordinator. Hi, Kim. How are you today? Good, thanks, Fee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much again for uh, joining us and sharing your experience. Could you give me and our listeners today some background into your journey living with diabetes? Sure. So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was in primary school. I was in grade 2 and uh, I was immediately put on twice daily injections of um, our very old-fashioned insulins, Protophane and Actrapid, and they're actually the bovine version of them. So obviously now we're all on DNA recombinant insulins. Uh, and I must say I've had a very blessed life with type 1. It hasn't really been that complicated for me, so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, however, I will mention that my parents put a lot of work into that and I've continued to do that myself as well. So um, it's not just been pure luck, it's been a combination of factors. When I was approaching puberty, I got put onto uh, multiple daily injections and uh, I think... In my early 20s, Nova Rapid and Humalog became an option. So then I uh, transitioned to the uh, faster acting insulin then. Uh, and then about, I think it was about 17 years ago, I started using an insulin pump and obviously just the rapid acting insulin. And um, my choice at that point in time was Nova Rapid. And I'm currently on a clinical trial for closed loop technology. And um, so you're using FIASP in that pump uh, trial at the moment? Yes, part of the study, uh, we are using FIASP as well as Nova Rapid. So we're comparing the two insulins. Okay, great. Excellent. So you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge to share with us. So Hopefully so. Me, yeah, you have. So tell me, what are your hobbies? Um, and tell me a little bit more about yourself outside of diabetes. Sure. So uh, I just celebrated, uh, or we just celebrated our 15-year wedding anniversary. I've been married for 15 years and um, we've had two kids. One's in primary school, one's in high school, so they keep us very busy. And we live on the Ballerine Peninsula and we really enjoy the coastal lifestyle. So we do spend a lot of time at the beach. Even during winter, we'll sit there with our thermals and beanies on eating fish and chips just so 
we get our fix. Uh, I also really enjoy going to the gym. I've just started doing some weightlifting for the first time in my life and I'm really enjoying that and it's working really well with my diabetes, if I can mention <laughs> how it impacts on it. Of course you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been an exercise that has really helped with insulin sensitivity and um, just general overall good health and fitness. It's been really fun. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. And um, I'm a huge advocate for, for exercise. And uh, I know that you've always been active uh, through all the years I've known you. So um, keep it up. Good work. <laughs> so um, let's get back to FIASP. And um, can you tell me who introduced you to FIASP? Yeah. So the first time I heard about it was discussing a future trial uh, with some of the research team members. Uh, one of the educators said that they're looking at comparing the results of FIASP to Nova Rapid in a clinical trial in a closed loop pump. Uh, and that was probably early last year. So I started doing some research online, uh, particularly in the countries where the insulin had been released for uh, commercial use already. So I looked at the drug information, but also uh, the patient or consumer experience. So that, yeah, I think that probably would have been about April last year, maybe a bit later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, uh, how long have you been using FIASP yourself? So the trial that is comparing FIASP to Nova Rapid commenced in June or July this year. And so for 50% of the time, I've been using FIASP since then. Okay. Okay, great. So um, you're using a pump. Are you using, is it in your pump today? <laughs> it's not in my pump today, but it will be in my pump soon. And it was oh. um, about a month ago. So I'm chopping and changing based on the um, research protocols. Excellent. Okay, fantastic. So new medication can come with a lot of questions and a lot of own um, reservations, I suppose you could say. How did you feel about changing from Nova Rapid to a new insulin? Yeah, look, I um, was super excited, firstly, to be uh, included in a trial opportunity or a research opportunity um, to trial the new insulin. I felt like it was a safer way to have a go because uh, there's a lot of clinical supervision in the trial. Uh, but I, one of my beliefs is that type 1 diabetes, before it gets cured, which, you know, we're all still hoping for in the next five years and blah, 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 like what we were all told potentially when we were diagnosed, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think the advances will be in the insulin advances so um, in the properties of the insulins that we use in whatever device that we decide to use for our type 1 diabetes. So whenever there was a, um, when I heard about this insulin coming to market in Australia, I got really excited because I thought this was another step closer to potentially making uh, management a little bit easier than, than on um, a slower acting insulin. Okay, so excited, feeling that we were safe. Um, did you have any reservations before changing? Uh, look, I did, and my reservations were based on both the, um, the drug information that I'd found but also the consumer experience. There was a lot of chatter about um, site irritations in, in pumps and also line blockages as well as uh, some people were talking about how it wasn't consistently absorbed, so uh, they found it really difficult to use from day to day. 
So I did have that in the back of my mind, uh, but I monitor my diabetes very closely. And in this trial, uh, we're using CGM, obviously. So mm -hmm. if ever there was anything like that happening, it would be very easy to pick up and address. Okay, great. So um, when, you know, you've been introduced, you've signed up for the trial, you've done your research, what sort of education did you receive regarding using FIASP um, in your case in the pump? Sure. So obviously with the trial, there was um, strict protocols to follow around insulin delivery. Uh, and that was, as far as I understand, based on the properties of FIASP and it working really quickly. So we were instructed to Oh, sorry, actually, I should take a step back. When we were given our plain language statements for the study, mm -hmm. it had information about the FIASP insulin in that. And then we're okay. also given the opportunity to ask questions of the team. So there's um, endocrinologists, diabetes educators. In this case, there was an exercise physiologist as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think potentially some dietitians that could be called on as well. Uh, so we were given the drug information and then access to a health professional to have conversations about any of the concerns or questions we might have. Excellent. In your eyes, was that education enough, too much, or could you suggest any improvements? Look, it was adequate for me, uh, but I had done quite a bit of research myself prior. So had I not done that research, I think it would have been good to be told, here's where you can read up on some more information about this insulin. And if you're interested, it might help to uh, read about some other consumer experiences just to get a feel for what it might be like, what to be alerted to uh, and what to pay attention to. Because I find a really balanced a view of clinical information and experience-based information helps me make some helps me make decisions and understand what's going on. So you feel fully informed. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So um, you're using the FIASP um, interchangeably with Novo Rapid. Have you had to use FIASP as an injection? No, I haven't had to. It's um, I've only run it through the insulin pump. Okay. And um, I suppose what I'm leading to here is that, you know, obviously if in the occasion that your glucose levels are running high and you've corrected with the pump, what was the advice given to you um, in regards to a correction dose as a bolus? Uh, I wasn't given any instructions uh, that were different to Nova Rapid. Is that sort of what you're exploring? Yeah, here? yeah. Yes. Like if you had so, to give yourself a, a subcut injection, um, um, yeah, what what would you have used? Uh, okay, so if that incident arise, because we're in the um, trial, we had to contact the health professional team, um, so get information at the time. Uh, from the endocrinologist and an educator and they were taking into consideration a lot of different factors. So obviously the insulin action time, so what insulin might still be present in the system close to or just eaten a meal and also if there's any other factors going on, if there's um, ketones uh, or potentially being unwell as well at the same time or stressful mm -hmm. situation uh, but we were strictly advised to contact the team as soon as that was to happen so we could okay. together make a decision about what a rescue injection might look like okay great 
Excellent. Okay, so so tell me, what do you think of FIASP and uh, do you think your glucose levels have altered in response to changing to, to FIASP? Yeah, certainly when I've been able to compare it back-to-back with Novo Rapid using the same approach with my diabetes, I've noticed that um, post-meal uh, glucose levels are better managed on FIASP, so um, the peaks don't happen. It's a lot more stable. It's sort of, I feel that the insulin works at the same time as the food starts to have an impact on my glucose levels versus Nova Rapid, which takes a bit longer to start for me. Uh, And because the instruction in the trial was to deliver the insulin at the same time as commencing a meal, um, it was really obvious the difference there. So uh, outside of this trial with Nova Rapid in my pump, I would often pre-bolus for a meal to attempt to sort of, I guess, adjust for that delay in, in action time with Nova Rapid. But with Fiasp, I didn't find that that was happening. So with the Nova Rapid doing the pre-meal bolus, how long were you um, doing that before you ate? Yeah, so outside of the trial with Nova Rapid in my pump, I was bolusing up to 15 minutes prior to eating. Mm-hmm. And what, what? And with Fiasp, are you doing it just as you eat? Just as I eat, and I'll, yeah. outside of the trial, using FIASP, I will do that. I'll deliver insulin at the time of the meal. And um, have you seen that, that you know, do you think that's a, definitely a benefit, that it's more convenient for you um, and it's just the way life goes when it comes to meals? Yes, yeah, certainly when I'm out of routine and eating different foods that I'm potentially not as familiar with, uh, yeah. But I also find that it gives a bit more flexibility around delivering insulin for um, protein and fat as well. So um, dealing with those two and four hour post meal increases. So outside of the trial, I think I'll be able to deliver the FIASP to to, uh, address those meal, post meal rises even better than Nova Rapid. Great, excellent. Um, So, We've talked about some positives that you've experienced with FIAS. Have there been any problems that you've encountered using FIAS? Yeah, look, the only problem, and I guess it's not really a problem, but it's certainly something that shook me initially, was that my hypo symptoms uh, felt worse, I suppose. So the symptoms came on more quickly and uh, and I felt like they were a lot more strong. So I felt like I was out of control more quickly, which uh, was something that I hadn't had for a very long time, probably since, oh gosh, I can't even remember the last time that I felt like that when I had been low. Um, And I had started to experience uh, a degree of hypo unawareness um, and whether that be duration of diabetes or um, how tightly controlled my levels had been, I sort of had felt that my uh, hypo symptoms had dulled quite a bit, but then being on FIASP, it felt like they had sharpened and it was scary. So Mm. um, that was a downside. But now that I've developed an awareness about that, uh, I can manage it. So it's just an adjustment. Excellent. So... Um, that would obviously be an improvement in one, you know, in one sense is that you're actually um, recognising those symptoms as just the, the speed is it, that's the issue, that it, it, you're caught unawares in that, re- in yeah. that regard. Yes, very much so, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah, and I did find that I'd have to completely stop and give myself time to recover because it felt like it was such a strong and quick drop, I suppose, whether it was actually a physical drop in glucose levels, my ability to carry on was less. So did you do you think that your recovery uh, from a hypo, um, are you recovering within the same amount of time, do you think, or is it a, you know being delayed? It's a, a longer recovery. Yeah, look, when it first started happening, I I think part of it was probably just the shock as well and really not knowing because the, the feeling was so foreign. I was being super careful about my recovery. Uh, so that was early on. Now that I've adjusted, I, I would suggest it's probably about the same. I still give myself about the same time now, but initially when I was adjusting, it felt like a lot longer. Mm, okay. And um, I suppose that, you know, obviously – these are very you have to be very specific about your own reaction to insulins and how it affects you have you had any issues um that you found in the research when you were doing your own research in regards to site infections or uh, a line clogging and things like that yeah so i certainly read up about that clinically and anecdotally but i didn't experience either of those things so uh, I never had uh, line blockage or any problems with the insulin in the reservoir, in the pump. Uh, I never had any skin reactions or um, infections from using FIASP either. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I count myself pretty lucky because it does seem to be something that people report on. But I think that other questions need to be asked when those things are experienced. They need to inquire as to whether the person's um, pump habits are what is indicated for insulin pump therapy. So changing sites and tubing and consumables every two to three days and those sorts of things because that mm -hmm. can, um, can sometimes be forgotten or people are trying to save money, not going through so much plastic and that sort of thing too. So if they're experiencing line blockages, it might be that those are the, the sorts of questions or inquire, lines of inquiry you have to use. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, we're coming to the end of our podcast now and um, I'd like you to have, or you know, if you have already thought, um, share with me and our listeners today, a list of key points you'd like to share as take-home messages. Do you have any or what would they be? Um, yeah, look, I think a, a very general one um, for health professionals working with people with type 1 diabetes is to make sure there's always a really good exchange of information. So ask the questions, listen to the answers, allow them to ask questions of you and um, be ready to say you don't know and you'll come back to them with information and keep that, that line of communication open. Um, specifically about insulin, uh, I think people can get quite fixed in their views. So um, assuring people that it's okay to try something new and in this instance it would be a new insulin and give it three or four weeks and then come back with um, a view on whether they want to continue or not and support them through that process because I think with type 1 diabetes a lot of us can get quite um, fixed in our ways and also fearful of change because the fear of the unknown can be you know getting through the day with stable levels 
or not and what impact that has on their ability to choose the way they spend their time. So um, easing that decision and that transition to a new way is important to keep in mind. Um, and you may have an idea that it's good for the person with type 1, but they may not want to and they may not be ready or they may not be interested at all in respecting that choice is, um, is super important. I think that's probably about it. Um, excellent. Go forth and trial. <laughs> well, excellent. It's, um, it is quite exciting to see the newer insulins coming through. And I, I have to say as a health professional um, and as a friend, thank you for continuing to be part of research because all of the health professionals that are involved in research couldn't do it without you. And, you know, we're, we're very grateful that we have um, people like yourself that are willing to, to be part of research um, and endeavour to, to have advancements in technology and, and therapy. So thank you again. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. I, I hope this podcast has inspired our members to start thinking about working towards expanding their skills in this area. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Please take time to download some of the valuable references that have been provided on our LMS site. You can also upload any questions that you may like our speaker, Kim, uh, to address. Thanks again, Kim. And we'll be back in a fortnight. Thank you.